Hello again and Merry Meet. Welcome back to another episode of the Witch Fix podcast. And today I have something for you which I honestly had high hopes for, but I was inevitably disappointed. And I can sum up this film in three words, which are, do you like jazz? Weirdly, this horror film, Curse of the Witch, rated 15, has an almost implacable jazz soundtrack, which not only jars with subject matter, although it is set in Louisiana, so I guess there's some reason for it to be there, also kind of adds to the feeling that you're watching a weird, noir indie film instead of what promised to be quite a decent trashy horror film about witches. Now, this film arrived fresh from eBay, where I bought it because obviously it had the word witch in the title and a witch on the cover. Now, I was excited when it arrived for the one and only reason that it had a cardboard slipcover on over the DVD case. And we all know that they don't make those for terrible films that no one should ever watch. Or at least I thought I knew that, but apparently they'll just make these for any film. On the front cover, it says Curse of the Witch, which is the title, and then the tagline, When She Knocks, Don't Answer. Which made me think, oh, okay, it's going to be a kind of film like Don't Knock Twice, where you go to the witch's house and you knock on the door and maybe she comes to your house and she knocks and you're not meant to open the door or you'll be cursed forever. That is not what happens. The blurb on the back and the blurb that was on eBay when I bought it says that a guy called Ron is returning to the home of his estranged father in Louisiana after that father's sudden death. But as he wanders around the house, he's haunted by bittersweet memories of his childhood and perhaps something else as well. Now, the film is 80 minutes long, which isn't actually too long, although it felt much longer in the watching and was apparently released in 2016. Halfway through the film, when I realised the plot wasn't going to make any sense, I googled it in an attempt to try and find a plot summary so that I'd at least have some idea what was going on, and then I found out that this film is also released under an alternate title, which is Lily Grace, A Witch's Story, and which was credited for 2015, so maybe it only made it to DVD in 2016 with the title Curse of the Witch. As I said, it's set in Louisiana, and over the first like 10 minutes or so of the film, there's a lot of weird flashing letterings. First, they flash up the title word by word, and then in between shots, they flash up the names of the actors. And I don't know if that deserves an epilepsy warning, but I'm going to give one just in case, because, I mean, it made my head hurt, and I was just sitting there watching it with no epilepsy at all. The whole thing seems to have been filmed with only natural light and with a kind of shaky handy cam. There's a lot of trembling in some of the footage and sometimes it looks like the camera's sort of just been parked in a hedge for the duration of the shot. But uh, I mean, overall, the camera work is pretty serviceable. There is, however, a long, long piece of narration at the start that fails to do anything towards starting the plot. And it kind of gives the feeling that there's a guy in an office somewhere smoking a cigarette and drinking a whiskey and talking about a dame who came into his office that Gams just wouldn't quit on, or something like that. Aside from the narration, there is no dialogue for the first five and a half minutes of the film, which doesn't sound like a very long time, but when you're watching it, it is a very long time. It is very long indeed. There's just a lot of smooth jazz and then one guy who yells a line of incomprehensible hillbilly gibberish, which I counted as the first line of actual dialogue. 
The narration isn't limited to the opening of the film, it sort of continues in patches. For the midsection of the film, it is largely forgotten about, but it comes back with a vengeance at the end, and it just it doesn't add anything, and it just fails at making me interested at all in the main character, whose name I promptly forgot. I kind of wanted to care that the main character's dad was dead and that he didn't know him very well and didn't like him very much, perhaps. But so little time is given over to that and you don't really find out anything about why they were estranged or what happened. So it just kind of fails to involve the Watcher in any way. Then on his first night in the house, Ron, who is the main character, is alerted to a strange presence because his creepy record player playing smooth jazz keeps sort of skipping and crackling and then a creepy synth voice calls for him outside the door and knocks on the door and breathes very kind of heavily and wheezily so there's clearly some sort of asthmatic ghost out there and he goes to the door and is kind of looking at the doorknob while it rattles but it was so dark at this point because I'm assuming they didn't have any kind of filming lights that I literally couldn't see what was happening and then the next morning he kind of storms out to his car and gets in like, fuck this noise, I'm leaving this haunted house far behind me. I'm going back to become a jazz musician or a private eye or something. But then he kind of whacks the steering wheel a bunch and says like, I can't leave. And he goes back in the house. And I'm like, oh, OK, I mean, I don't know why you couldn't leave. I would leave. But anyway. We keep cutting all this while to a strange man in a brown jacket who is running around the forest like a squirrel looking for its lost nuts. And he keeps kind of like diving into piles of leaves and like sprinting around and looking on his shoulder. And I didn't find out his name for the longest time, so I just referred to him as Squirrel Nutkin in my head. Meanwhile, Ron digs out a sort of map from his dad's desk drawer. I'm not really sure what this map was of, and I don't think it was really that explained in the film. The line of dialogue that accompanies the map deserves special mention because he kind of points at it and then the narration goes, The bold of art of broken dreams. Lily. He mentioned that in the letters. He mentioned it. The bold of art of broken dreams. Which very much feels like someone wrote down a bunch of words on a piece of paper, threw them up in the air and then just turned what they read when they fell down into dialogue. Lily is just the name written on the map. And it was only because I'd looked up the alternate titles to the film that I thought, oh, OK, Lily might be the name of the witch. Meanwhile, Squirrel Nutkin reveals that he has a gun. He turns up at Ron's house and sells probably the least convincing lie ever to get into the house. This works for some reason, I'm assuming, because Ron is a, just a legit fucking Egypt. And he eventually gets cornered by Squirrel Nutkin, who threatens him with a gun and says that he wants his purse back. Yes, his purse. A pink lady's purse. It is not instantly explained why he feels like he needs this purse, why it was in the woods, or why he's looking for it. But I'm sure he has a reason. At this point, we're 22 minutes in, which is not a small amount of time. And we have not actually seen the witch, just a rattling doorknob. We don't even have confirmation that the rattler of the doorknob was a witch. No one wants to say the word witch. It's sort of like one of those zombie films where no one wants to say the word zombie, except that he just kind of refers to the witch as her or she. And he doesn't really talk about her much at all out loud where people can hear him just in his own head in narration. The main character, Ron, by the way, makes no sense. He just kind of rambles on and talks about, well, the Boulevard of Broken Dreams, which, I'm sorry, will always be a Green Day song and you just shouldn't use it to mean anything else. 
but he just kind of rambles on like a woodland creature who can only speak in riddles so mentally i just started calling him the riddler and then i wished i was watching a batman film which would be at least more entertaining so squirrel nutkin and the riddle man have kind of a fight and they fall out of the house somehow and into the swimming pool they kind of struggle they get out of the pool and they kind of call off the fight and have a bit of a truce we then cut to just a random group of three criminals rocking up to the woods and walking around and they say that they're there to find jake i assume jake is squirrel nutkin but i don't know for sure there's more jazz piano i'm getting heartily sick of the jazz now so the two guys ron the riddler and squirrel nutkin who may also be jake kind of talk to each other except they're not really talking to each other they're just talking at each other because jake really wants his purse and Ron doesn't really want to say anything that could be construed by the audience's actual sense. So he just kind of mutters on about the witch. So he doesn't say witch, he just says her. She's out there. She's got your purse. Various other kind of rubbish. It kind of looks like it's now going to be a buddy comedy because the two of them go out looking for the purse. And instead of a purse, they find a bunch of picture frames with no pictures in and a clock in the woods. At this point, I thought a good alternate title for this film would be Curse of the Purse, because the purse is getting a lot more screen time than the actual witch, and we haven't even seen the purse yet. 40 minutes in, still no witch. We go back to the Three Stooges, still sort of looking around the forest for Jake. Then we cut back with, like, more jazz to the two guys. At this point, Squirrel Nutkin says, can we give it a rest with the jazz? And he turns the record off. And at that point, Squirrel Nutkin became the hero of this piece. Ron is definitely the villain. I'm sort of struggling at this point to see a connection between the purse and the unnamed, unmentioned witch. Did she steal the purse? What's in the purse? I just don't know. I don't know if I even care at this point. Anyway, at this point, Ron the Riddler gets really excited and shows Squirrel Nutkin a picture of what I can only describe as a wily coyote witch trap, which he has designed to catch her, still not calling her a witch, because, I don't know, I guess she has the purse, and he says he needs two people to build it, so then they start building this witch trap. In the corner of the diagram of the trap itself, there is sort of a little black figure that is labelled her. It's not even labelled the witch, so... At this point, I was just starting to get witch blue balls because I was promised a witch. The title said witch. Where is the witch? Squirrel Nutkin at this point was also slightly dethroned as the hero because he does not question the need to build a wily coyote witch trap in the woods. He doesn't even mention that he only came out here to find his purse, bro. Why are you talking all this crazy shit? He just kind of goes along with it. At last, after 47 minutes of the running time of this film, we see the witch in his legs as she walks slowly across a room and then we see a bit of her hand and then a bit of her face there's some other talking at this point because a sheriff shows up to talk to ron and he mentions that a girl got hurt and i'm starting to think maybe she is the owner of the fabled oft mentioned but never seen purse and that maybe jake slash squirrel nutkin has done something bad and he's come here to like get the evidence which is the purse although this doesn't explain why he doesn't know where it is in this whole wood or why he can't just take the fact that it's disappeared as a reason to get the hell out of dodge ron then passes out and he has kind of a dream of a lady with nice pretty curly hair and then she turns into this sort of hideous witch creature and attacks him so at this point I began to think, okay, so maybe the owner of the purse has been killed in the forest and maybe her horribly mutilated looking ghost is kind of 
after Squirrel Nutkin and also now Ron by default. But that doesn't really explain what she had to do with his dad being killed or dying or committing suicide. It's not really explained how he died. At this point, the three Stooges arrive at the house that Jazz built and Riddler and the Squirrel devise a plan to get rid of them without entering into any combat. This plan involves a lot of running around, which is seemingly pointless. Although, thankfully, at this point, the witch does intervene and she kills all three Stooges. I don't know why. This kind of further buoyed up my theory that maybe she was the person who'd been murdered, that maybe they were involved in the crime and they'd come after Jake. And Jake was looking at the purse because it had some sort of evidence that would exonerate him and incriminate them. But because no character actually said this in the film, I'm counting this as speculation on my part and not the actual plot of the film. At this point, the Riddler manages to convince the witch to reach into a box which is on a sort of wooden stage, which is the trap that he's been constructing, because he tells her that what she's looking for is in there. And I wasn't sure what it was that she was looking for, but it turns out there's nothing in the box, just some rope. So now she's all tied up and she can't get out. I don't know why he wanted to trap her. And then at this point, there were a whole bunch of flashbacks to lines of dialogue and jazz solos featured earlier in the film. And I don't know if it was trying to make it seem like maybe the witch was just a figment of Ron's imagination and maybe part of some sort of inherited mental defect that him and his father both shared. But again, this was not featured in the film and not mentioned in dialogue. So that's just me trying to read meaning into an otherwise meaningless sequence of events. It turns out Ron also may have lied to Squirrel Nutkin about him not having the purse and maybe he took the purse and hid it because he wanted Jake to help him build his witch trap but I don't see how that would work because he doesn't actually have the purse so again I was just confused. Then at this point they kind of struggle because Ron is not willing to let the witch go and Jake whose acting skills kind of plummeted in their effectiveness at this point in the film is both mad at him because of the aforementioned purse hiding and also concerned about the witch and he's like you don't want to shoot the witch you don't want to do this but it's not really explained why he doesn't want to do this or why you wouldn't want to shoot a horrific looking mad woman creature that has come out of the woods with the express purpose of killing you so I don't really understand. Then the two of them get into another dust-up like they did earlier, except instead of falling into the pool, they fall into a spring-loaded coffin, which was the central element of the witch trap, which a flare then falls on, setting it on fire. And that's the end of the film. As the coffin is burning and it goes, like, fades to black, there's a bit later that the sheriff comes back to the house and this is over the credits as if you'd still be watching over the credits. To be fair, I was only still watching because I'd forgotten where I put the DVD remote. And then it kind of fades to black again. And you hear Ron's voice in yet another piece of voiceover saying, You ask if she was real. I ask, is reality an illusion? To which I say, no, Ron, reality is reality. This is just pretentious bullshit that you've tacked onto the end of your film. Because presumably when you edited it together, you realised it made no sense whatsoever. At this point, I will just say, I mean, I've looked at some films I have looked at some films that are not good and they are not good for a variety of reasons whether because they had kind of a low budget to do effects low budget to do filming without proper lights and without good cameras or because the actors in it weren't really actors they were just sort of people who'd been roped in from the nearest drama school but I think a good film a good concept of a film 
can get past things like that or can get past one or two of those things because something that has a good story but has bad special effects is still kind of entertaining to watch because you're watching for the story but i do think that as this is exemplified in this film if your concept or plot makes absolutely no sense it does not matter if you actually pay people who can act or if you actually have good production values and good effects the film cannot be good because in the end of the day it's just tarted up ramblings it makes no sense the viewer isn't engaging with it because there's nothing to engage with the plot is just nonsense it doesn't follow on it's all disjointed you can't watch it and get any sense out of it so it's failed as a film and i feel the same way about books that are kind of written in a way that they've used correct grammar and they've used correct words and there's nothing really wrong with the way they're written it's just that they don't make any sense whatsoever and it really annoys me because terrible execution of a terrible idea is all around terrible whereas good execution of a terrible idea is just sad because at some point someone believed in what they were doing and you honestly don't know why i was left kind of thinking that maybe there's some sort of funding that people can apply for if there's a witch in their film so like when you film films in canada and you have to put a certain amount of actors or actresses from canada into it or whatever and you have to film in certain places and you get like extra money because you've created jobs in that area i wonder if that's the case with witches because this film curse of the witch but also wake the witch feel like they didn't need to have a witch in them at all the witch is kind of like bacon bits sprinkled on an otherwise very very different meal like peach cobbler it feels like they wanted to make one kind of film i.e a kind of tense thriller about a crime that had been committed and might come to light and different people getting involved in it but then somehow they wanted to also get a witch mention grant and they were like oh okay we'll just put a witch in a couple of scenes and make the title of it a witchy title and it just makes no sense to me because with those two films there was obviously a plot underneath it all with wake the witch it was the plot of this contagion that was coming out of the park and with curse of the witch it's a story about squirrel nutkin and his three amigos of crime and this random purse that you do eventually see in which isn't a nice purse but i don't understand why they wanted to put a witch in it it's sort of like oh yeah we'll just we'll just put that in because i don't know why like they went through a sort of bargain basement bin of film elements to try and make this and they were like oh, okay well we've got a pinata and we've got like this uh st patrick's day hat and we'll just throw this witch in because i don't know it's like buy three get one free buy three get 75 percent off it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me and it kind of annoyed me this film in particular more than the others because i feel like with a bit of effort into the actual dialogue and plot and the way the film was kind of paced and the way the plot kind of came out they had the makings of a reasonably good thriller here and putting the witch stuff in it made no sense and just kind of confused the issue and also because people who come to this looking for a film that is about a witch the witch who is most of the front cover design are going to be angry and disappointed as i was because the film isn't about a witch so all around it just makes very little sense to me and i cannot recommend this film for those reasons so i guess the magical lesson we can take from this is there isn't one but also that dvds that have the aforementioned cardboard slip cover are not necessarily guaranteed to be quality 
I think the cardboard slip, slip cover print, which is actually quite professional and a little bit silvery and shiny, which is very pleasing to the eye, probably cost more to make than this entire film. And I think the byline of this is just going to be tarting up garbage is just generally not worth it. I hope you've enjoyed this review and if you have a film somewhere sitting on a shelf or a film that you've seen a trailer for that you think would entertain me more or at least be about witches then please do get in touch on twitter at witchfix and via gmail which is witchfixpodcast at gmail.com. I can't wait to hear from you and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye!